Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of Crazy Talk. In this episode, we don't have Medina and we don't have Frank. We got me and Alex. We got less Medina for you today. But we have three other guests with us. We got legacy legend Mark Sun with us <laughs> on, on the phone. How's it going, Mark? What's going on, guys? I think it makes it worse every time you introduce me. I think soon, soon you'll be known as the legacy god <laughs> and be known as the favorite to win GP Providence. Right. Um, I mean, the legacy god that goes out of Charlotte like a champion. <laughs> Can't wait to keep this uh, as love for his Asian brother. <laughs> we got Bryce. Hey, what's up? How's it going, Bryce? Someone I met on Twitter, but... Uh, one of the contributors to Man Deprived, and also a good friend of John Medina and Mark's son, right, Bryce? Uh, yeah, I met Mark once, but he's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and we also got my friend, my dear friend who does Dirtling Around, Dave Lee, who's just going to be here hanging out, chilling with us, because he's not uh, a, a regular Legacy player, right, Dave? I play Legacy once in a while, but not as much as other formats, but I do love the format, though. Okay, but, you know, definitely love to have you here. So, with Bryce on as our new guest here, a new legacy regular, we're going to ask you what we ask every quest, uh, every guest that come on, which is the five. So, are you ready, Bryce? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Question one, how did you get into legacy? Um, well, I live in the Northeast, so it's pretty much the main format around here. And so, like, more so than standard? Um, I mean, I, I used to play, like, other card games when I was in middle school and stuff, and then they all died. So I played Magic, and Legacy was the first real format. Um, eventually I just played standard because it was cheaper, but then I just got back into Legacy. Oh. Question two, what's your favorite Magic card and why? Um, it probably Remand from Ravnica. It's a... Blue one instant, you can counter any spell, and then it goes back to their hand and you draw a card. Um, I don't know, I, I started taking magic seriously, especially like uh, limited drafting and all that around Ravnica, and it was just one of my favorite cards in the set to play in Constructed. Okay. That remand was one of the more annoying counter spells to play against in my, in my memory, but a card that I love to play. <laughs> Me too. I love remanding yeah. my own spells and when they countered them. That way, like, you get your spell back, you draw a card, and their card was basically nullified. <laughs> Instead of being even. It was a sick card. It was. Uh, question three. What would you like to be known for in the Magic community... And why should we care? And in Mark Sun's case, he would like to be known as a legendary god <laughs> in Legacy. But what do you want to be known for, Bryce? Um, I actually have absolutely no idea about that. Um, I don't know. I haven't really 
tried working on my personal brand as far as magic is concerned. <laughs> You're not a Medina. You're definitely not a Medina. No, not yet. Question four. You're going to get into a bar fight, and you can pick one member of the magic community to get your back. Who's your pack one, pick one? Um, I, I think everyone so far has picked Jerry T, so I don't know. Do I, like, have to pick him? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I met Jerry T, and I've seen, like, a lot of bigger, stronger-looking guys in my time. I don't know. <laughs> like nothing against Jerry, of course, but you know, I don't right, know. I, I have a decent answer. Um, my friend uh, Medina also knows him. Uh, well, our friends Eugene and Maitland, but uh, Maitland has had to like pick up our car before, like physically lift the car up and move it, like push it when we were stuck. So I think uh, he would not be a terrible person to have in a fight. <laughs> so shout out to Maitland, I guess. Question five, Alex. Give it a go. Question five. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? Uh, I don't know. This podcast, it's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> wow, good answer. Though you pretty said the word answer. incorrectly. Say it again. Oh, it's it's crazy. <laughs> uh, okay, hopefully, so. Hopefully you don't fail that bad at magic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the first topics I want to get into, and, and we're going to ask Mark or Dave first because uh, Mark's on the phone there. <laughs> um, before we get into the legacy tidbit, I thought one of the interesting things uh, that my good friend Jerry Thompson has stirred about slates, I wouldn't say controversy, but um, he's been scooping a lot of people in. And uh, I know some Twitter followers did not like it. I mean, uh, last week... Two weeks ago, by now, SCG Boston, he beat me, and then he scooped AJ into the top eight. This week, again, he's, I think he, I believe he scooped AJ to the top eight of the standard portion and perhaps in Legacy or something, and then someone scooped to AJ in the final, so it wasn't even played. Um, and I know a lot of Twitter followers had something to say, like wanted to see, like, Please stop scooping. So I'll just offer my quick opinion before you guys, because I've thought about this. Like, I don't really mind. I mean, I mean, it's part of. I'm not gonna hate these guys for doing it. I love these guys. I don't really have too much of opinion. I mean, it's part of the rules. They can do it, and it benefits guys like AJ or whoever Jerry was trying to scoop because he already had level eight, and he was trying to get his friends into level eight. And other people have suggested maybe there should be a system where. You know, you can, you should keep, there's incentive for you to keep wanting to play. So, Mark, Dave, if you have any opinions at all, if not, you know, pass it along. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll start, Dave. Is that cool? That's cool, yeah. Alright, well, um, yeah, first of all, like, I kind of agree with you, KYZ here. I don't think there's any, I don't have any serious problems personally with the guys and what they're doing right now. Um, obviously, you know, they're in the grind, they've been going to all these tournaments and, uh, everybody who is currently level eight, they've worked really hard to get to where they are. So, um, you know, and then for the people who are scooping them in, like I know Kyle Miller, I think was the guy in the finals playing junk. I was already driving home at this point, but um, I heard about it. Right now, so, but uh, yeah, you know, like, but I heard him drive back, and I was like, you know, that makes sense. You know, Kyle, he's not a regular guy that's on the circuit or anything, and he doesn't really stand to gain a whole lot, you know, 
if he's looking to just make an invitational, then you know he's already got it in his hands. So there's no there's no extra gain from getting 20 points as compared to what whatever you get in the top eight. So um, I think it makes sense. So I I, I don't really have any problems with it. Um, about the way to, to govern this kind of activity, I don't think there's any there's going to be any set way to govern it because people are always going to be able to get around it, and you know you're never going to be like, hey, uh, you scooped. So or, or you can't or you can't be like, hey, you got to keep going up the levels. I think, and I think I made a point to somebody that uh, the subsidy system as it is, I don't think they expected that they would have this many level eights at this point in the season. So I think this was supposed to be this unattainable thing that you know it was really hard to get to. And you know, now they're looking at four guys that are going to get four of each set. <laughs> Someone like in the back thinking, "Fuck no!" Um, I think the main <laughs> issue people had was that they didn't like AJ said that they played off camera and he won. But I think people were let down. People who were watching SCG Live who wanted to see the finals, and they're just like you know, insta scooped. Like, what the fuck, you know? Um, I kind of wanted to watch only because I really liked AJ's deck. And, and I personally love to see Jerry Thompson play, and like he's scooping people in left and right. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see him in the top eight again. Um, Dave, any any opinions, or would you say you agree with us? In general, I would agree with you guys. Like, I can see people being disappointed when they expect to see a match and it doesn't play out. But at the same time, I guess people, I guess I'm not like I'm a bit less of a competitive guy, so I'm kind of on. A, from an outside perspective, I'm looking in. But I guess there's that kind of, uh, that etiquette, I guess, right? Where, I think it was in the last SCG Open, the standard portion, I think Alex Bertoncini was in his last round, and he needed to win in order to reach level 8, I think, and he was scooped in as well. So, I don't know. I personally don't have a problem with it, but, yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay. Speaking of Bertoncini, Dave, in the legacy portion, Jerry actually... Uh, said that he would scoop to him, offered to scoop to him, and Alex actually declined the offer and said, you know, and then Jerry's like, okay, since you declined, if I beat you, I'm going to beat you. And Jerry did, in fact, end up beating him. So th- I thought it was interesting for Alex to do that, to not accept a-, a scoopage from Jerry. Alex, any final opinions on this little matter? Um, well, I, I again also, you know, echoing your sentiments, guys, is I have no problem with, uh, with that scooping. Like, I think, you know, you're going there, you're playing a tournament, and he's, he really has very little to gain at that point, whereas his friends do. So, I mean, that's fine, I think. Like, it's, I understand some people could be annoyed that, you know, they get beaten by Jerry earlier in the, in the in rounds, and then, then he scoops with someone else. Like, it happened to K- you, KYT, right? But, right, uh, right. And, like, they feel that, you know, they didn't get the the chance because they had to play Jerry T, whereas these other guys, you know, just got got to be scooped by him. But I mean, they still had to get to that point in the tournament where they could get there. They're just getting one win. Uh, Mark brought up an interesting point. I do wonder if they thought there were going to be this many level eights. <laughs> Definitely um, not. <laughs> this early? Does it, does the se- season reset or something? Because like I heard they really needed to get level 8, or is it just because of uh, the release of New Phyrexia? Yeah, well, I think they wanted to get level 8 before New Phyrexia comes out. Okay, but they get, so they get free sets from this point forward. Okay. I think it's, uh, once the second half of the season starts or whatever, your points 
actually reset, but you keep your previous level. So, like, all the level 8s will go down to zeros, but they keep all their 8 privileges. Man, that's insane. <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. So, um, of course, this past weekend, we had Star City Games Charlotte. Uh, Bryce, did you get, you didn't get a chance to go, did you? Or? No, I played in a GPT, though. Okay, so we'll start with Mark, since he's our lovely Asian man on the phone with us. <laughs> so, Mark, what, what did you play? How'd you do? Um, well, I played Enchantress, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, I got a whopping one, one three drop <laughs> for the weekend to show for my efforts. Kinda, it was pretty depressing. I think I was, I was pretty dark when I got home. I think I, I <laughs> had some things I didn't want to say on the, on Twitter, and just, yeah, I felt, I just felt, I felt generally disappointed, because, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of hype, uh, going into this tournament, and, um, I was really confident, like, I was, I was watching, uh, Boston covers, I was looking at top eight, um, I was looking at, you know, the metagame breakdown from March, and I was like, God, I have this in the bag, because Enchantress is going to rock this format. And, you know, and I, and I wound up, I, I just remember, like, I knew things were going to go wrong, because I set out for my first match, and it was, you know, this was a really nice guy playing Death in Texas, and I, I don't have to match with all, because, they have a card that, you know, they have, they have a shrouded port, they have either some cannabis, they have an enlightened tutor sideboard that I don't know what's going to be in there, but, um, yeah, so I sit down for my first match, I'm all to five on the play, <laughs> and I have, I have one land and I'm thinking, God damn it, what is going on? So, and it's funny because the day before I had, I had, you know, I've been playing some casual games and, uh, you know, just testing with general people who are getting ready to play for Sunday and like, you know, I, it was smooth sailing the entire time, so, um, you know, and I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't hold back the feeling of like after the first round, I, uh, I lost game one, you know, small to five and game two, he brought in sort of feast and famine. He brought in cataclysm. He had, uh, he enlightened tutored for serenity and aura of silence. I was like, Jesus, like it was just, it was just such a miserable match. Like, and I got done and I was like, God, did that just happen? Like, I, didn't, I wasn't even sure, I, I wasn't even sure what happened right there. So yeah, it was pretty bad. You, you mentioned hype, and I think um, nobody else other than this show hyped you a lot to do. Oh, no, no, no. It was, uh, I, it was just, it, it was just like as a uh, like in my play group and everything. Like we were we were really excited for to go to another event because we didn't think we'd we, we originally weren't planning to travel to another one. But um, you know, like as soon as I mentioned, hey, this is the the, the meta game's kind of calmed down a little bit. There's not as much crazy combo decks, you know, make a top eight and. You know, it's kind of safe to put them in a non-blue again. Everybody was pretty excited, so. And, and we were excited for you, uh, to, uh, hopefully see you up there, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully nobody, the people that beat you didn't recognize you. And felt oh, yeah, like, they, well, they, yeah, he was wearing yeah. sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> I, so. I, uh, I, I played Lewis Laskin in, in, in the third round. He, uh, he, he was a real happy guy, but, um, you know, I, that was also, that was also a match where I, I mulled a five on the play. <laughs> and you know it's like if there was ever a worse time to mold a five on a play it's against Louis Laskin like he he had a pretty I mean he had a pretty knowledgeable idea of the matchup so like he he put the button sort of piece of against it which is like a, it's a card that I I originally was like oh this would be fine like I don't, I'm not worried about this card and then I realized it, I, if I didn't have any lock pieces in play of the game man like he, he hit me twice with the sort of piece of damage and I was done like I had no way to regain card advantage at all and I, was, I mean that's a card that I, I didn't factor in because I, I didn't Maybe I was looking at a list that was more set for pre uh and Besieged. But, you know, um, sort of things that I'm catching on a legacy, I guess. So I think we've briefly touched on Enchantress before in the cast, but uh, would you like to elaborate on what the deck tries to do? Uh, sure. Well, if you're me, 
you struggle like a fish out of water and you die. But um, for the for the pilots that can that, that you know that can get the good draws and and you know get 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 the whole deck going. Um, basically your your idea is to resolve an enchantress effect. So there's two cards uh, from Hers of Saga: Agarthian Enchantress and Enchantress's Presence from Onslaught, which is you know kind of an ama, kind of an homage to the original card. But um, the idea is to generate card advantage behind it using these effects and kind of bury your opponent in card advantage as well as set up your lock piece. So your um, your major lock piece in this uh, deck is Solitary Confinement. So um, like by itself in a vacuum, it looks like a pretty poor card because you're going to be losing cards of your upkeep, you're going to be skipping your draw step. If you, if you don't discard a card, you have to sacrifice it. But um, under multiple enchantress effects, you can sustain it over over time. So um, uh, a lot of cards were printed that kind of favor this uh kind of strategy. So you have Sterling Groves to give your other enchantment shroud. If you have two Sterling Groves in play, everything you have is shroud. You have Replenish so that you can undo what your opponents have done to remove your permanence. And you know you get to play with a lot of powerful cards. You get to play with uh, Moat, for example. You get to play with cards that you didn't really think you could see legacy play, like Sigil of Throne. But um, yeah, overall, it's a really powerful deck. It has a very strong late game. Um, it doesn't have a very strong early game, which is probably one of the issues that that I wanted to get around by playing Chrome Ox and Accelerance. But um, didn't get there this time. So what do you think, what were the good and, and bad matchups quickly for this deck, um, Mark? Um, yeah, I had I had written uh, in my blog about the, the good and bad matchups. Um, the good matchups are the are just the decks that are unprepared for it. Like, every every deck, I believe, can beat Enchantress if it wanted to with a sideboard. But it's such a small part of the metagame that no one's going to be totally prepared for it. So... Um, the good matchups, you know, like goblins, like Marfolk, um, even a lot of control decks that are in this format. Even with ca- even with counterbalance based decks, I can still see myself having a favorable matchup against them. Um, so I, I listed these three decks because they were the most popular, or some of the most popular decks that were in the month of March. In fact, um, if you look at Glenn Jones's metagame breakdown for the month of March, uh, Marfolk is pushing. You know, it's the only archetype that pushes 10% plus. So if you go into a start of the event. If you want to prepare for it, you, your deck has to be able to handle Marfolk. Um, but, uh, you know, the, again, the bad matchups, though, it, it depends on, you know, the pilot and depends on the deck. But I, I said that Team America was a pretty bad matchup. Um, they have removal, they have counters, they have discard all things that are really good against your deck. Um, they don't they don't play a ton of creature spot removal, so um, there's not a lot of deck cards against you. Uh uh, junk, depending on the build, um, I, I was really confident about junk because the previous week, the guy at the top two then lost to Burton Chi in the finals. His deck didn't have any vindicates of them, which is the card that I'm most scared of. He was also playing only two furnishes in the sideboard, so basically it means that if I had played his particular uh, model of junk, I would have had a very non-interactive matchup where I could have set up a lock really fast. Uh, <clears throat> any questions, Alex? Uh, would you recommend this deck, even though it didn't work well for you, for other people? Uh, yeah, um, I definitely recommend Enchantress. I think that I, I think it is Mulligan and had some bad luck. Like I don't want to make the whole weekend, you know, a bad beat story. But um, you know, in, in general, if you're if you're not Mulliganing nine times in nine games, uh, you should have pretty favorable hands. Um, one of the cards that I, I wasn't really that sold on going into the weekend was Chromox. Um, you can power out a first turn Enchantress, but you know, I'm not really. I wasn't that comfortable uh, because the, the chance that you might be on the draw and the chance that you're going against an unknown opponent, you don't want to just, you know, uh, quote-unquote, blow, blow your load on, on the first Argo King Enchantress. I generally play a lot more conservative when I'm uh, in this kind of deck. But, um, yeah, I mean, the list that I played, I think it's it, – I don't think it's optimal. You can change a lot of the silver bullet spots to change to fit to your metagame. 
but um, I think in general it's a it's a pretty good model. So when would you think it's a bad time to play Enchantress? Um, Enchantress decks, uh, well, they were I, I think it, I think they were a strong metagame choice for a really long time, and then decks like Reanimator popped up. You know, a lot, a lot of the tier two matchups are the ones that you don't want to face. Like Reanimator is a really bad matchup because Iona on white just crushes you. Um, you don't want to play against like the show and tell decks. Um, there's a lot of live outs. I, I try to include um, at least three live outs, which are uh, Humility in the sideboard, Caracas in the main, and Oblivion in the main to Emrakul. Uh, but Emrakul is really, really bad for you because uh, even with Solitary Confinement Lock, they can still attack. And if they're attacking, you're still sacrificing permanence, so you're gonna, your board position is going to go away in two turns. Um, but, you know, like the show and tell sneak attack decks are pretty bad. I uh, can't really think of a, a really bad one. I guess. I guess the decks that, that can bring in each strong cannabis and um, apply pressure very quickly, those are going to be not too good at matchups. But you feel favorable against most combo decks? Um, well, the, the sideboard has four Leonis Sanctity, and it has another Enlightened Tutor and two Rune Halo in the sideboard. So um, against combo, depending on what you're going to be playing against, um, if I'm playing against straight up at Nauseam Tendrils, I think the matchup's pretty good because I can, uh, if, if I'm on the ley line, I can use it. They're, they generally don't have the turn one kill, so I have access to Enlightened Tutor to find a quick Rune Halo. Or if I have a Leyline in play, I can Enlighten Tutor for Sterling Grove to protect it. Um, if, if you get to the point where you have two Sterling Groves in play with Leyline, it's kind of, kind of game over at that point. But, um, uh, I would, I would rank, um, Tess, the, uh, the five color, the Epic Storm deck. That might be a, that might be a slightly, or even a worse matchup because they have access to Empty the Warrens and, um, they can, they generally have a lot more paths to victory in their hand. I don't know if, I think Bryce is a pretty experienced one pilot. I don't know if you can comment on this. Um, um it's but, uh, not like the best, but you can win it. Yeah. But, uh, and then, uh, against High Tide, we were testing the matchup and I felt pretty comfortable. Um, High Tide usually requires, the, the fundamental turn for High Tide is about three or four. So, um, in the sideboard, we have Carpet of Flowers to advance our own game state, play lines, Rune Halos, a lot of, a lot of ways to proactively protect ourselves against, you know, cards like Brain Freeze and Loose on Zenith. So I think uh, the, the three main combo decks, Storm-based anyways, we have, um, I, I think, have a pretty good matchup against. But doesn't High Tide, when it goes off, like, can't it just bounce all your stuff? Yeah, but um, the, the other thing is you have, that, you have access to Sterling Groves, which changes that matchup completely. Like, I was never, I was never really big on permanent-based hate against High Tide, but... Until I realized that in the in in the Hatfield list, the, the stock list that you know from from Atlanta and the people who are generally playing, um, there's no way to bounce multiple permanents. There's no way to and there's no there's no untargeted bounce. So if you if you manage to get Grove in play, it's another it's another way that they have to get around before they win, and that just buys you more time with Carpet of Flowers to you know to, to throw out more permanents. Like post board, we had our our lock pieces were. Three solitary confinement, four Leona Sanctity, four Rune Halo, four Sterling Grove. So there's a really good chance that you're going to be able to start locking yourself in before they get a chance to develop the board position. All right. Well, thanks for the details on the deck. So you definitely recommend this deck to, to other people. Yeah, just uh, don't, don't mulligan a lot. That's, that's my <laughs> I think but, that's pretty um, good advice with most decks, right, other than maybe Dredge? 
Yeah, I, I mentioned the one thing that, like, uh, on, on the drive home, I had a lot of time to reflect on my weekend, and I, I really wanted to find out, you know, what was the, what was the real problem? What was the, what was the main thing that was keeping me from winning matches? And a lot of it came down to, I, I just couldn't find any change with respect to my opener hand. That was the only, that was the big problem. You know, the deck doesn't really get itself going without any change respect. I mean, you can maybe struggle for a little bit, but, um, there's a lot of things that, that drawing those extra cards are going to lead to. Like, you know, you're going to get card selectivity, you're going to have the ability to, uh, to sustain the locks with uh, the card advantage, but if you don't have any of that, you just you just can't. It's just it's like a really bad EDH deck. You're just gonna keep drawing singletons. You have no idea what's going on. So, um, you know, I I don't think that's my particular style. I think I picked it because I've you know I played it before. Well, we just uh, lost Mark's son. <laughs> <laughs> At least he died happy. <laughs> Oh. Wanna try, try to call him again and see what happens? The suspense is killing me. What happened, Mark? Uh I think we hit thirty minutes and the call just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry um, about that one. So you were talking about how it was just a bad EDH deck? Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, without, without the draw engine in the deck, it, it really becomes... All, all the singletons really start to, to pile up, and you, it, it starts becoming a nightmare much, much faster. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it was just not my style of deck, so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing something blue again. Like, I'm, I, I usually play Bant. I'm not a fan of, like, the, the Stone Forge Bant decks, but uh, I usually play the Bant Temple decks, but that's something that I might look into as a new fire that comes out. So, GP Providence, no chance you're playing Enchantress. There is no way. I mean, it's got to be... It's, it's definitely going to be something with mental misstep, but yeah, that card is really, really good. Um, yeah, no Enchantress this time. I thought you you were going to set yourself up for one of us to insult you when you said on the drive home you were thinking about what the real problem of the... T- <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true, right? Like, I, I mean, you know, on the way home, I was just, I was really, like, I was a combination of, like, you know, I was happy because my, my friend Dave Nolan made top eight, and at the same time, I was, like, you know, <laughs> sort of, I, I kept, like, replaying all the matches that he played out, and I was like, God, I couldn't really do anything. Like, you know, the, the only deck that I had beat, like, I was too embarrassed to even mention this in the article. Like, I was just, <laughs> like, the only deck that I beat was some guy, really nice guy, probably been playing for a long time. His detail number was, like, you know, a, a whole magnitude smaller than mine. So, like, I knew he'd been playing for a while. He was playing, like, Infect Stompy or something, like, and I just felt so bad because, like, I can find my, like, those are, the, those are the games where I could find myself, like, turn two, and I was like, sorry, like, you can't do any damage to me. I just can't, you can't do anything here. But um, I just felt so bad because, I mean, that was the only match where things went right. Well, even, even, uh, superstars have their off days, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> But you sounded pretty, pretty. I mean, I have to admire your passion. You sound like you really, really want to redeem yourself at GP Providence. You sound like you really beat yourself up over uh, your uh, failure, I guess, at Charlotte. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just like I, I've always like I haven't I haven't really done this bad at a SCG Open in a, in, a, in a while, and I just I started feeling the, 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 the mental stress of like the, of of finding that match that's not in your favor. But, um, you know, like, I have a lot of conviction when I play, and I, I thought I had this weekend figured out, and, you know, it's just going back to the drawing board for another shot. But um, I'll probably go to Louisville uh, to, to kind of warm up, because 
I think a lot of things are going to shake up in these next two next two weeks when the fire exit comes up. Sounds good. Um, we're going to move to Bryce. How's it going, Bryce? Pretty um, good. So you played at Boston, and you also recently played a GPT, I hear. Yeah. Did you play the same deck? Uh, no, but I played, like, 12 snow-covered islands in both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, want to give us a quick rundown on what you're, you've been playing and what you will plan to play yeah. at uh, Providence? Yeah. Um, usually, uh, well, when Counterbalance was good, I just played Counterbalance forever. But um, uh, recently I've been playing all the different, uh, like, blue tempo-ish decks with Tarmogoyf. So either, like, Bant or the Rug Colored or Team America for a little while. Um, for Boston, I decided to sleeve up Merfolk because I wanted to give it some real testing in a real tournament before Misstep came out so that I was a little more comfortable with the deck. And then at the GPT, I played High Tide just because it would be like the last tournament where I could ever play the deck in a reasonable <laughs> way. So why snow-covered islands? Uh, <laughs> because they're covered in snow. <laughs> I don't think you would choose snow-covered islands if you lived up here in Montreal. It's pretty cold. No, I live in New England. It's it's fairly cold here. So you, so you just played high tide just to get that one last. Yeah, I also I also just assumed that there would be a bunch of joke decks at the local GPT because there were two GPTs happening. One of them was at a store where there are not terrible players, and one was at a store where there are terrible players. So I went to the one where there are only terrible players, expecting terrible players, but all the good players went to the store where there's bad players. So. It is is everyone was metagaming against each other, really. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> <laughs> that brings the count to like I don't know. Fifty billion. <laughs> so Bryce, do you prefer like these aggro disruption decks or do you prefer combo decks? Um I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable playing either. Um right now I would rather be attacking with Tarmogoyfs than casting Dark Ritual though. Why is that? Um, I don't know. There's just there's been so much combo actually having success that people are just playing a lot more hate. Like at the local event, um, I got like Isochron Scepter locked out with Orem's Chant. I ended up winning that game anyway, but just the fact that people are playing stuff like that is kind of annoying. Well, man, guys, pick up Isochron Scepters. They yeah. both have Bryce Maynard, and Medina thinks he's going to put a high tide on it. It's true. <laughs> so how did you end up doing overall in these past two weeks, Bryce? Um, well, at Boston, there was like a weird mishanded-in match slip issue. So not counting that, like both weekends total, I only had like slightly above 50% match win, which is really terrible. <laughs> but I'd, I'd also not played either deck in an extremely long time before playing them, so that has a lot to do with it. So, what do you plan to? What's your plan? What's your game plan for Providence? I, I'm assuming you're going, right? Oh yeah, I'm definitely going. Um, for anyone who hasn't booked, you should book soon because it's the same weekend as some college's graduation ceremony thing. Uh, heads up there, but uh. My plan for Providence is just to keep testing all these, like, 
Force of Will brainstorm decks, really. Well, I mean, I guess that's a lot of decks, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just I don't know decks that can apply reasonable pressure but also control the game enough. Do you think mental misstep is going to make people play more lands in their brainstorm decks? Um, either more lands or more than one spell that draws cards. <laughs> maybe both. Like maybe people will start playing Thirst for Knowledge or something. Probably not, because it costs three mana, but... Oh, speaking of mental myths, though, I was watching the SCG live, and uh, Mr. Gerard Fabiano was one of the special hosts for this for SCG Charlotte, and uh, I think at one point he started to talk about mental misstep and thinks it might actually be overrated. Well, it's definitely overrated, but it's also not... Not good, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends who you're talking to. Like, if people are like, oh, my God, it's force of will, then, yeah, that's overrating it, right? Yeah. But, like, it's it's a, it's gonna, it's a powerful card, and it's going to affect legacy, definitely. Mark? Yeah, I think the best, uh, the best way to look at Mental List Up, I know I haven't, I haven't had a whole lot of chances to test it, but um, Ariel Lax has done a really good article on Star City where he, you know, actually... Uh, plug mental misstep in the established decks right now. We're testing it, and the basic consensus that came out was that you know the non-blue decks, just because they gain the four mental missteps, doesn't improve their combo matchup by that much. You know, doesn't improve uh, what what they what they thought as uh, problem matchups by that much. Um, it actually helps the blue decks out a lot. Like Morphulk, I think stands to gain the most from it. Um, I think the the slots that you cut for mental missteps are going to be your day slots and maybe your sculpture slots and your blue decks. Um, at least that's what I'm going with right now. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that it, right now everyone is going really is just going crazy over the card, and I think it's a little overrated for what people think. Like it's not going to slice your bread, it's not going to make you breakfast, but it is going to help you <laughs> when you play through that. <laughs> Which article were you referring to? Um, I can actually I can actually link you guys to it. Um, Arilax just came out with an article. I think it was oh, Arilax. Okay. Yeah, Arilax. Yeah. Okay. So it was a, it was a really good read. Um, Basically, um, I shared a lot of his opinions with uh, how Mental Misstep was going to be used. But, um, yeah, it's the it's on Star Seeker's page. It's, a, it's the third one in the premium column. Okay. Because I know our boy, Drew Leving, is extremely excited about it, and he re- even wrote uh, an article, and he's even talked to me. I told him that I'm pretty sure that I'm playing Merfolk of Providence, and he used absurdly powerful to me that he thinks Merfolk is an absurdly powerful uh, deck to be bringing, and uh, definitely need to test it more. But I feel, I think Gerard was just talking about how Mental Misstep was um, a one-for-one spell, and he, he prefers spells that give him inherent card advantage. I think that was one of his arguments. Well, I but think the I think the one thing about Mental Misstep is like if you if you just if you don't draw in the early game, it's it's gonna be like in, in, in the non blue decks. If, if you don't draw an early game where you want to be protecting your threat and, and you know countering one drops, you may not like it as much. But um for the blue decks, at the very least, if you have cantrips, if you have forcible, you have a use for mental misstep in the late game. So um that you know, I, I think I think that's another way to look at the card in terms of plugging it into whatever deck you're you're gonna you know, you're gonna play it in. Alex? Um, well, basically, I, I agree. Like, the card's good, but it's not going to make you breakfast. Like, only Medina's mom does that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Medina. I know you're listening to this. 
Man, even when he's not here, <laughs> Alex is trolling Jonathan Medina. Because well, um, I, I love him so much. Shout out to Jonathan Medina. <laughs> uh, so, Bryce, any anything else you want to talk about? Like, how you are you going to plan to prep with this? Uh, with Metal Misstep? I'm just, my plan is just to go to the pre-release this weekend and hopefully trade for a bunch if I can. Um, yeah. I mean, there's multiple stores around here that I can just pick them up at like five cents each or whatever, but. What? <laughs> yeah, the, no, the stores around here have terrible pricing. I can just get pretty much anything at whatever price I want. So, so Do you want to pick me up some of these, uh, underground sea things? <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little bit more difficult, but... <laughs> this, is, this is called Black Lotus. Do they have those for five cents? No. <laughs> no. Fivecents.com, that'd be a killer uh, online card store. <laughs> it's like going to the bank and giving them a $5 bill and being like, hey, could I have a $20 bill back, please? <laughs> Five-cent cards. <laughs> so, Bryce, I, I think you mentioned that you're just going to play a bunch of decks. Is uh, that you? Yeah, uh, mostly just, I mean, as I said earlier, forcible brainstorm decks, but, I mean, that's probably what I'm going to be playing, so I'm just going to try the different ones until I get one that I like. Okay. I feel a lot like you do, Bryce. I think that, like, I'm going to be trying a lot of decks. I'm very unsure about what I want to play. Yeah. But I definitely, like, in the past I played a lot of, you know, Dark Ritual decks and High Tide and whatever. I I like playing combo, but I just think... It's a bad time now to be playing combo with, first of all, a lot of people packing more hate, like you said. Plus, with Mental Misstep coming out, like, there's going to be even more people... I think Mental Misstep might actually help combo, not that it would play Mental Misstep, but that people might start cutting their spell pierces for Mental Missteps, because as someone that plays, like, Ant a lot, um, I'm not really that afraid of Mental Misstep. I'm much more afraid of, like, spell pierce or something. Really, because I actually think that it's more scary because it counters your discard effects and like like enforce the will decks for instance yeah um yeah it's a lot better when they're targeting like your duresses and all that but as far as like once you get to the point where you're comboing off or whatever um it's just you don't really worry about it as much i i agree with that for sure yeah um an agreement <laughs> on crazy talk it's crazy. Well, Medina's not here. <laughs> um, so, there's been some interesting decks on the friend Charlotte that I maybe want to want to look at. Sure, Most interesting uh, one came 32nd. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's laughing because they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm actually uh, kind of upset that they all did this before I could. <laughs> <laughs> this is an aggro battle of wits deck by Kenny Mayer, and uh, it's got. One sort of body of mind. Okay, I'm not gonna read the whole deck list, but <laughs> it's got a lot of. It's got a fairly low curve. If you actually go on Star City and you look at their mana curve thing, it's just really funny because it goes way off the charts and like <laughs> you know, everything below five. <laughs> and like you know, it's got four Nakatal, like every good aggressive four Kurt Ape, four Loam Lion, four Lotus Cobra, and of course the only blue card, as far as I can see, besides like you know Progenitus. It's got four Battle of Wits. And uh, I uh, f- I wasn't actually watching, but a friend of mine told me that there's this was a feature match against Show and Tell. 
Yeah. And uh, the yeah. show and tell guy played show and tell, you know, to put in Ember Cool or whatever. And uh, he put in a battle of wits. <laughs> 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 and of course, uh, that that's just awesome. <laughs> How he finished thirty second though, so that's pretty impressive. How viable, like from someone who's never been in Legacy too long, has this type of deck been viable at all? Well, I guess I got to play the skeptic here and say no. But <laughs> <laughs> I do not think this deck is viable. But uh, I mean, it's it's like awesome, and like you know, if you can, if you're up for like playing a joke, you know, and and having a lot of time shuffling, then like it's, you know, why not play that? But. I, I, if I was trying to win a tournament, I certainly would not choose this deck. <laughs> Bryce? Um, you're not very vulnerable to brain freeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark? What? Any any quick thoughts on on, bat, like on this specific Battle of Wits deck or, or Battle of Wits in the past? Has it ever seen any prominence? I I don't think I was actually playing when it was a uh, standard legal, but um, I, I got to play some games with uh, Kenny Mayer actually on Saturday. We were just messing around, but I was seeing how you know how his deck worked. But uh, yeah, it plays really well. Um, Battle of Wits is one of those like oops I win kind of things, but he never focused on that as the as the actual token edition. I mean, he was Captain Blood Riddles, you know, whatever the entire day. So um, it looks definitely looks like a fun deck to play. I mean, if I had the cards, I would probably give it a shot. <laughs> but you said you would never play an EDH type deck again. <laughs> well, this is—I don't know. I mean, if, if there's a promise of of getting a battle with, I, I, I may reconsider. <laughs> well, the deck's a bit different. Like, it's all about redundancy, right? Like, it's maybe 250 cards or whatever, but like, it's got so many cards that do just the same thing. Like, yeah. you know, it's got so many one drops, you know, that are aggressive. It's got a whole bunch of good two drops. I mean, it's, the thing is, like, the, the secondary ones are just, like, slightly below what the, you know, like, I'd rather cast a Tarmogoyf than a Plated Geopede, for instance, on turn two. But, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's, Geopede's probably still gonna put a lot of hurt on your opponent if they don't have an answer. It's just it's slightly inferior, so. <laughs> I mean, and Magic is a game of edges, right? Like, you, I think you give up an edge by playing this, though. I mean, it's just it's just <laughs> awesome, though. Just like <laughs> my my inner inner Timmy slash Johnny or whatever is just like <laughs> just like jumping for joy seeing this deck list. <laughs> Dave, is this something you'd consider playing, being a more casual type player? Um, probably not. I find it very entertaining. Like, like when you look at it from a certain perspective. Like, it has Natural Order as one edge, but also has Battle Wits as the other edge, so it's basically a zoo deck with, like, two big win conditions aside from just turning guys sideways. But otherwise, if my collection could encompass all these cards, then yeah, I'd definitely put it together and give it a run. <laughs> it looks fun, definitely. I mean, well, all I can't say, I can't really say that, because all Battle Wits decks obviously look fun. Um I actually played Battle of Wits once when it was Type Two. It was, it, and it was, it was a blast. <laughs> I even played it in when in the one ever once ever two at a giant constructed tournament that uh, that was run at, at my local store. And uh, so, like, it was really funny because Ravnica was out at the time, so like everybody you know was playing Mill, planning to to just like kill to mill someone out. And so, like, my partner, I got him to have like four ivory masks in his deck and like a whole bunch of counter spells and stuff. 
and I had Battle of Wits. And they're like, plant, you know, most of the other decks have like one counterspell deck and one uh, one mill deck. And it's like, good luck trying to mill me out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so fun, like just playing a Battle of Wits with like, you know. It, it, but uh, in, in Type 2, like the deck, the deck, main problem with playing that deck is it's hard to shuffle. Like it's a perfect Magic Online deck because, you know, you don't, like shuff, shuffling 60 cards you already spend a bunch of time on, but now then you shuffle like, you know, 300 cards or whatever. It's, uh, it's a lot of time and effort. <laughs> so if you guys decide to play that deck, I recommend bringing, like, an automatic shuffler. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other deck that catches your eye in, in, the, in the top list, Alex? Well, uh, AJ Sacker, of course, won with what is labeled blue-white-red control. And, uh, again, just like before, it seems very similar to the deck he played the previous week. Right. Um, in fact, possibly the same, exact same, maybe a few slots different. Um, and again, it's just blue-red, there's no white, there's a tropical island for engineered <laughs> explosives, but there is no white in his deck. So Star City, like, you know, you, you put a lot of money and time and effort into, like, these opens, and you can't label the winning decks properly. Something's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I think last week they also mislabeled the Reed Duke's deck as Bant instead of Rug or something. Yeah, they definitely did. I mean, the only there was just Noble Hierarch as yeah. I, mentioned, I mentioned last week. And so how how good are you gonna be? Have you been play, planning to playtest this deck, uh, Alex? Uh, well, um, the deck definitely looks interesting. Someone I was actually watching people play on Tuesday some Legacy at the local store, Fasafas. And uh, one guy was playing Canadian Threshold, and there was like five people who independently came up to him and asked him why he was playing that instead of H.S. Soccer's deck. And he's <laughs> like, I don't have Dreadnought. It's like, well, why don't you just buy one Dreadnought? Like, <laughs> and, uh, the deck seems pretty sweet. I mean, Grim Lava Mancer seems really well positioned right now. Like, there's all these people playing, you know, Merfolk and Goblins and so on. I think every time Team America has a little uprising in the uh, open metagame or whatever, I think Dreadnought will start coming back every time that happens because it just doesn't die to go for the throat, and it's so big. <laughs> That's what she said, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mark, do you have any thoughts on this particular deck? Oh, uh, about the... the, the uh, sorry, I was zoning out a little bit. Hello? Yeah, sorry. I'm. I, I was. I was going on just a, a little bit, but uh, are you talking think? about the, dread, the dreadnought deck? Right, right, right. That AJ was playing. I um, I think it's gonna have a problem uh beating the the decks that have creatures with asses bigger than three. Like I, I, I don't know. I just I, I just don't like the fact that it's only red blue. But um, I do like the the fact that he's not leaning on the stifle knock strategy. Like I've um I've played dreadnought before and I've had a big problem with like. You know, if you have Dreadnought's Rain in your hand and you can't uh, cast them out, I like it as a secondary recognition. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's really about all I have. I'm trying to fix my email right now. It's just, it's just <laughs> freaking out right now. I, I, have it, I have it set up to where I redirect all my email to, to my Gmail, and all the things from my university account are going into the spam box. I just, I just cannot fix this right now. Sorry. 
how many technical difficulties can an Asian guy have? <laughs> we supposed to be good at this sort of thing. Use your math skills. Well, well hey, I didn't think the headset problem would be an issue until, you know, I, I, I live with a bunch of guys at games, so somebody must have borrowed my headset. No, it's not that bad. And someone must have hacked your email, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I definitely I, like that the, the deck deck doesn't like lean on dreadnought like you said like definitely being being dreadnought flooded without enough stifles was bad and like you had to play trick bind as well as stifle which is nowhere near as good i really like the trinket mage package like being able to find basilisk caller to go with your grim lava masters it's pretty sweet huh yeah i can get behind any deck playing trinket mage <laughs> So seriously, should go for the old. I prefer the old artwork to the new one. What's your thoughts on that, Dave? You're the, the art, art master. Which, which card? Trink image. Oh yeah, the old artwork definitely. That's, definitely. that's my that's my seal of approval. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Man, it feels so weird to be like you know accepted by you guys. You know, you like agree with things I say. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is gonna be interesting. Are we putting this in 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 the gauntlet? <laughs> oh, it definitely should be. I mean, he's yeah, I would. twice in a row. Like, if yeah, one of Star City, got, people are going to notice. <laughs> people were just scooping him in, man. These are invalid results. I'm kidding. Yeah, all eleven rounds. <laughs> <laughs> You're AJ Soccer. You need to go to level eight, scoop. <laughs> I don't even know you, but thanks. <laughs> Well, the, uh, I mean, there's also the Team America deck, right, by Edgar Flores, which go, seems to go back from Dark Confident, which Jerry Teeth tried to play, to Tombstalker, right? He's playing four boy, four Tombstalkers as creature base. Maybe he's playing some stuff out. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. He's Edgar Flores, though. Like, <laughs> his whole Cobblade deck is foil. <laughs> you think he could be like, here, can I borrow four bobs? Here's a foil Jace for collateral. <laughs> Um, I mean, you, you know, he needs a, to borrow someone's car, he can lend them a foil, Jace. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just going back to the original build, right? Well, not quite the original build, but, uh, I mean, more more closer to the what it used to be, yeah, with the Tombstalkers. So, I mean, it's, and Stifles, which... Which were, were for in the original build. Like, uh, it basically means that nobody, people haven't decided yet what the right build is. Cause I believe that there usually is a right build of a deck, at least for a metagame. Bryce? <laughs> have you, have you played with, uh, Team America a lot? Um, yeah. I, Team America was like one of the first not combo decks I ever built in Legacy. Um, America! Yeah, it's from Medina. <laughs> <laughs> um, I prefer Dark Confidence. Um, that's actually the version of the deck that won the GPT I was at. Um, I like Tombstalker, but I also just like drawing cards. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of drawing cards too. I, and plus, like, I started playing around Ravnica, so Dark Confidence is one of my one of my favorite cards. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like the Stifles very much anymore. I used to be a big fan, but they just, I don't know, they get less and less good over time. And then when Misstep comes out, they probably just get worse. 
Yeah, like I like stifles against weaker players generally who didn't play around them. Yeah, well. that's the problem with it. <laughs> yeah, like as I started to play against better and better people, I liked stifle less and less. And eventually it became like a card that you you toss the force of will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really intrigued by the metal worker deck, Alex, because when I first started at Legacy, I think you and Joey were building this together or something, I don't remember, but playing, testing, something, a metal worker deck against me and just, like, killing me in a very, with a staff of Dominion combo, domination <laughs> combo, yeah. rather. So, how viable was Legacy, and what do you think about this specific list by Ali Andrazi? You mean how viable is the metal worker deck? You well, said, anyways. Uh, what, did, what did I say? You said how, how viable, viable is Legacy. Legacy. <laughs> how viable is Legacy as a format? That's terrible. <laughs> no. How viable is metal worker? Um, I really don't know. I mean, I haven't actually played this version of the deck. There's a lot of differences from the version I tried before. Um... I mean, it can be really explosive. I always thought every time you play Metal Work against me, I'm like, this guy's insane. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, the whole deck, right, like, reveals to, for this guy to tap for a whole <laughs> infinite amount of, like... I mean, the, the deck could potentially kill turn two, right? If you go turn one, Metal Work, or turn two, staff, and then just, like, go nuts. Infinite amount of draw your deck, and then, like, you know, per, attack with... With metal you, you might even be able to just kill turn one if you have lightning greaves or something. <laughs> how, how though? Like I don't, I don't. I guess. I mean, you probably need too many cards though, but maybe. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's already like you already need like two cards at least. Usually three cards to get, yeah, like three cards to get two, three mana on turn one, plus the metal worker, plus the. Anyways, we're talking. We're going yeah. to see a lot here. <laughs> But yeah, the deck could be really explosive, and I mean, it just pumps out really big threats. Uh, Ali Atranzi seems to like this sort of deck, because I noticed in, in Type 2 he played like a Grand Architect deck before. Right. So he likes casting big artifacts. Um, the deck looks fun. Like, I would, I, I'm really not sure how, how great it is, but, uh, it, it, it does look pretty fun and explosive. I mean, I can, I can see you doing some pretty crazy things. <laughs> no, no, say it right. <laughs> oh, you're 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 right, KYT. Some pretty crazy things. <laughs> I, I just remember playtesting against you, and, and Metal Worker was just the scariest card for me. It's like because I didn't know what was going on. You revealed like you're just like reveal, slam like something big, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I died. <laughs> so, Mark, do you have an experience with Metal Worker decks? Uh, yeah, but mainly on the uh, the receiving end. Actually, I actually <laughs> lost to Ali in uh, actually lost to Ali in his previous build in, in Atlanta. Um, and um, I'm familiar with uh, Michael Baumholt. He's the guy that made the, the original Ford Master deck, I guess, that showed up at Indy. Okay. Um, Michael shows up to uh, our local tournaments a lot, so I get a I get a chance to play around it um, or play against it. And he's made a lot of good innovations in that deck. But yeah, it's a it's it's like I think it's very it's actually very similar to Enchantress in terms of mulliganing. If you don't hit and accelerate on turn one, you're going to be in trouble for the rest of the game. But um, you know, if you get a turn one metal worker though, and you can protect it, or if they don't have any removal for it, you're pretty much in the clear. So um, I I got I'm actually pretty scared of that deck. I when I play against him and I know he's in the room, 
I generally just walk up to my binder and I'm like, uh, there's a Kataki here. Might as well slide that in the sideboard today. <laughs> plucked in there, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's it's definitely a powerful deck. It does a lot of unfair things, and it it kind of reminds me of like it, it it gives me that that feeling of more towards like the, the vintage feel, you know, because if you're powering out Warden Coil Engines on turn two and you put a um, Lightning Greaves on it, it's kind of game over for your opponent. That's like one of the more fair things you can do, right? I mean, you can metalwork or staff of domination them, but there's also the other sort of combo. They're forge mastering out a blightsteel colossus when you have lightning griefs. Like you yeah. play lightning griefs, then you play forge master, sack three artifacts, get colossus, equip it to the griefs, attack them, and they die. Like, yep. <laughs> um, hmm. I do like this particular build though, because I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think that Holly has played the staff of domination before in this deck, and I and I don't know if we can get any feedback on how the deck operated with it. But um, I do like the fact that he's playing blue now for uh, um, Dotcast, so at least getting some of the card advantage back. Like, you know, I, I knew that he had a mulligan a lot throughout the day, so Dotcast must have helped him regain, you know, like, not you know, not mulligan as heavily if he found a Dotcast. Yeah, I thought the Dotcast was definitely one of the more interesting additions. Yeah. We haven't seen this... I've, has it ever appeared on SCG Top 8s? I think this might be the first time yeah. I've seen this. There was, there was another one I saw before, I think, that was playing red, right? It was playing... Yeah, Weinberg beat it in the finals. Yeah. That also yeah, that was a, yeah, that was against, that was against Michael Baumholt. So yeah. it was like the first ever iteration. Actually, the last time I saw him, I actually played at the GPT uh, two weekends ago. And um, to metagame against High Tide, he was fighting in for Chains of Mephistopheles. And playing a, and black sources in his deck, so that was it was pretty crazy. Um, he wound Whoa, up beating. Say it right. Tied it. What? <laughs> oh, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was you know, it, but it, he wound up beating two high tide decks on the day, so he obviously did a pretty good job in choosing huh. the right card. Wow, is this something to consider? Like... I wouldn't recommend it, but why not? Why not? Metal worker. Well, the, the problem I see with decks like this is that they're. Relatively inconsistent, right? Like yeah. that's a bargaining issue. But you, oh. you, like, like there's there's two days at a Grand Prix, so. <laughs> I, sure. I like that's a nice way to put it, Bryce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might get lucky one of the days, but not the other one. Oh, but like, man, Metal Worker has to be one of my favorite cards in the format. It's, it's definitely cool. Reveal. Bang! <laughs> like, yeah, the, the best part is the look on your opponent's faces because you're revealing like their their eminent demise. You're like, which way am I going to kill you, bro? Like, <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, well, like as we discussed, Alex, you mentioned a good point. Like, um, like me not liking affinity type decks anymore. I guess I'm probably not going to enjoy playing this if I did choose it for GP Providence. Like, the other interesting thing about decks like this is that they sort of control themselves. Like, if they, they become too good, then just people just start sliding null rods and they get completely host. Like, I don't see how this deck beats a null rod. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it hopes to get to, like, a whole bunch of tapping for two lands, like, no see with synods, and then please worm coil engine and attacks a few times. But like, yeah, I mean, you can also power out the, the early Lothstone Golem to, to apply pressure. Like, you can get a turn one Lothstone Golem, not not easily, but it's very, like, you know, it's it's a probable, it's a reasonable mulligan, you know. So, 
Um, I don't think it, I don't think it'd be that scared. Like if your opponent is is going to be waiting on turn two to play Norod and you're on the play, I don't think you're that worried about Norod. Fair enough. So um, the other interesting deck, of course, in the top eight is uh, Drew Levin's deck, uh, which Tezzeret Thopter Sword. I, th- I thought it was our affinity list. <laughs> he might have been inspired by the deck, the deck list I shipped him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I think I think uh, there's actually it was a deck tech on on the deck, and and it was it's someone else's deck that he he took and started playing. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> it looks well, it's pretty much the deck Adam Barnello has been playing forever. I don't know who actually invented it, but he's the most vocal about it. Mr. Channel Fireball, right? Yeah. Oh no, this is—I think this is the David Gearhart one, right? Because it has Tezzerets. Yeah, I think I think yeah, that's this right. Is the that's... David Gearhart. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, the deck looks pretty sweet. I mean, it, this is kind of a type of deck I love to play. Like lots of, you know, has tutors and lots of things to find and lots of tricks. I love tricks. Yeah, <laughs> ensnaring bridge is quickly becoming just one of my favorite cards in Legacy. Yeah, so this, this deck's basically it's a whole bunch of artifacts. It's got emphasis on the Thopter Foundry, sort of the meek combo with four foundries and three swords, which most decks you see with like two and one, right? Because and with their enlightened tutors, but this deck seems to really really max it out. And then mm. and then you got Brainstorm Force of Will, like any deck that with Fetch Lens and Blue plays, and then. Swords to Plowshares, Enlightened Tutor, the only three tutors, a Humility and O-Ring, Mox Opals as the Mox of choice, and Jace is Chromox too. Yeah, yeah, there's two Chromox as well, sorry. And he does have enough colored non-artifact spells to support it. Hmm. So I think the plan with this deck is to like set up a lock with Ensnaring Bridge or in Humility or whatever, and and sword of the meek thopter them, or just set up a planeswalker. Planeswalkers are good, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I was birding actually one of uh, Drew's games matches in Boston when he uh, didn't do so well, and I think the 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 game that uh, kicked him out of contention was when this other guy, some control deck, I think was able to resolve Blood Moon against him. <laughs> and um, Drew had his seal of cleansing in hand and couldn't do anything, I think, uh, from that point on. I don't know what... How popular is Blood Moon? Uh, re- I don't know. A lot of decks seem to play it as like a one-of in the sideboard. I think the and only the- decks that play it more than a one-of is like Dragon Stompy. Yeah, I think I agree with you. <laughs> And Dragon Stompy's not exactly a large proportion of the metagame. No. <laughs> I consider yourself unlucky if you played it once every three tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do we... Hmm. Are you going to sleeve this up, Alex? Uh, I actually I saw this deck in action. Uh, Joey, who you mentioned, a friend of mine, uh, was playing this on, on Tuesday. And... Uh, he, I believe he went 4-0. It, it looked pretty solid. Um, so it's definitely one of the decks that I'm I'm looking at. Uh, I don't know. I feel I've, 
that that maybe it has some some consistency issues with. Uh, I I really like having at least like one basic land in my mana base when I play a deck. This deck seems like the mana seems really greedy. Though I've seen greedier mana bases, of course. <laughs> yeah. Like I've seen a guy who played, you know, four color land still with like volcanic fallout in his sideboard with cutting wish for and like, you know, <laughs> along with wastelands and mistress factories in his same deck. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. This, this deck definitely looks, looks sweet. Though it, it definitely not a deck you can just pick up and play. It, it definitely looks very complex. Bryce? Um, I think my favorite addition that Drew added was the sideboarded confidence, and then he moved the entire counterbalance package to the sideboard. Well, the the counterbalances, and then he left the tops main. Um, most of the lists you see have, like, one or two counterbalances to Enlightened Tutor 4 main deck, but he shipped them all to the side. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, I really like the bobs, though, because... Um, before this specific list, I had never seen sided bobs in this deck. Like, a lot of decks do that, like, and stuff like that, but I've never seen it in this deck, so he probably caught a lot of people off guard with that. Can I side in bobs in Infinity? Why not? <laughs> you could. Well, what are you boarding them in against? <laughs> Everything. Because <laughs> they're just fucking awesome. Just so, like... so why aren't they main deck, though? Why aren't they main deck? <laughs> well, in this deck, there's a reason, but uh, in Affinity, I don't know. I think if you're playing them at all, you play them main if you're playing them in Affinity. Hasn't ever been tried? I mean, Bob's such an awesome card. I think it has been tried, in fact, by a list that uh, Medina referred us to in one of the earlier episodes by uh, Caleb Derward. If I, I, sorry if I Oh, yeah. Those. One of those Channel Fireball guys. Yeah, well, the guy who created uh, Blue-Green Vengevine Survival. Right, right. And did he play Thopter Combo in his Affinity build? Uh, Maybe. I, I, I can't remember, but I don't think so. I don't think I he was playing Bob's and Thopter Combo. I think maybe just Thopter Fount. Uh, I forget. But why not? I just want to play Dark Confluence in all my decks now. <laughs> Even in Cobblade, no, oh, if I could. But you're playing Merfolk. Why don't you could play Merfolk with Dark Confidence? Come on. Has that been done? your forces. <laughs> you're like, end of turn, files a two, file in. They're like, yeah, Lord of Atlantis. You're like, no. <laughs> it's Dark Confidant. They're like, oh, shit. You're like, what the fuck? Bob Maker, where'd you come from? You're like, untap, reveal, another, another Dark Confidant. <laughs> Right, re- revealing forces and I guess mirror enforcers and thought casts. It's not, it's not that good, but our version doesn't play mirror enforcers anymore. <laughs> no, but I mean, even like in like I I like when people say about Bob and high casting gust cards, I always like to refer them to uh, Antonio de Rosa's deck with four greater gargadons and <laughs> and uh, four hit and runs <laughs> in type two and like. You know, Bob, that's how good the card is. Like, you just don't, just getting a body plus the card advantage for so cheap, it's worth the, it's worth the life that you're going to take. I've had a non-zero amount of cube decks with Emrakul and Bob. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I know what what happened to a friend of mine, Justin Richardson. He uh, he was playing a vintage deck with Bob's and and Colossus plus Tinker, obviously. And Bob revealed revealed the uh, Colossus, and then he brainstormed it back in fetched, and the next turn it revealed Colossus again, <laughs> and he died. Uh, so I think he hates Bob, but I, everybody else, he should be playing more of that card. What do you think, Mark? Can I can I put it in Affinity? I just want to go like Mox Opal, Artifact Land, you know, Ornithopter, play Bob, go. <laughs> I think the, I think the risk of I mean there there have been lists that, that that I've seen that play Bob, but I don't think they just I don't think they do very well. Um, I think oh. right now like I think I think like Bob is Bob was a good fit in Drew Levin's deck because no one expected it. But if people are going to bring in creature kill for your Bob anyways. I feel like it's not a great strategy, and also, you know, again, flipping the enforcers in the in the thought cast. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how good of a time you'd have with that. I don't know. Flipping the thought cast means I draw two extra cards on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I think one of the problems with Bob is in these linear strategies like Affinity and Merfolk is that you really want to be drawing like another Merfolk or another artifact. And rather than, like, a card that's going to give you long-term advantage, you want something that's going to give you advantage, like, now. And put pre- Like, Merfolk wants to put enough pressure on their opponent so they have, like, chance to play, like, two relevant spells, maybe, that they, like, daze or force, respectively, and then kill them. And Affinity wants to just, like, plop its hand on the table and say, what do you got, buddy? And no rod. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then the Affinity deck loses if that's what they got. <laughs> and they're just like, I have a search to plowshares, and you're like, thanks for playing. <laughs> um, I mean, neither deck really wants to be like, Bob, you know, oh, draw something, trade for you, with you, one for one, trade with you. Like, both decks don't really have, like, a way to interact with your what your opponent is doing. It's just other than, like, you know, force of will. It's really, like, if if someone resolves a spell against Merfolk, like, that thing's staying in play. So, you, you just, like, getting extra cards off Bob is not as important as having an on-board advantage, I think. Oh. <clears throat> or maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, do you have any final thoughts on the, the Drew Leving deck? Um, yeah, I think I think right now, if you're going to be playing, like, Enlightened Tutor Control, I think this is probably the one that you're going to go with. Um, okay. And you know this is definitely you know this is obviously an, an updated version of David Earnhardt's deck, but um, you know Drew put a lot of I, I think he put a lot of good principles in this deck, like the Countdowns on the side and the Bobs on the side. He's got a lot of really good silver bullets right now for the meta game, so I would definitely look into playing this deck a lot more. All right, so uh, before we wrap out, I guess uh, we're gonna each before you give your shoutouts, tell us what deck you currently plan to bring if you have any. So we'll start with you, Mark. Uh, okay. Well, um, I mean, I guess my, I don't know. Um, I don't really have any shout-outs, I guess. Um, <laughs> like a shout-out to Medina, because uh, he was here tonight. But, uh, <laughs> Damn, you, but, uh, you stole my idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to bring a deck, um, I'm definitely going to be thinking about testing either American Thresh, which is uh, one of the decks that uh, got a deck deck for Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Ryan Rowland made the deck, and it looks really, really solid, and I think that it probably, you know, like, like all the blue decks, um, it probably gets more powerful. Metal Mist Depth has a lot of good elements. It's not green, so it doesn't have the usual weaknesses to, you know, submerges and perishes. So 
Um, what's a good deck that I want to test? Uh, if all else fails, I'll probably be bringing Merfolk to GP Province. Damn, if that's everybody's audible deck. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I, I don't like the name of that deck. Canadian Threshold all the way. <laughs> um, Mark, definitely. I just hope that if you scrub out from GP Providence, you don't kill yourself. Remember your sunglasses, though. So no one knows. Yeah, I'll have, I, if I get to like, you know, if I get to like seven and I'll probably take sunglasses off. But you know, for the most part, I'll, probably, I'll have the sunglasses on. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're glasses named after you, right? <laughs> the Mark glasses, man. Come on. Seven and oh, it takes them off. Oh my god, it's Mark's son! <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be there, too. You gotta be there to point me out. You guys like, oh my god, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> the legacy legend is back. Yeah, we need to get, like, someone to come and be like, can I take your, can you take my picture with you? I'm like, yeah. You know, get some girls to come and, like, can, can you sign our breasts? And, like, <laughs> Bryce, shout outs, and I think you already mentioned what you're probably, you're still gonna test a bunch of decks. Yeah, I mean, if Providence were tomorrow, like, with New Phyrexia Legal, I would either be playing Merfolk or Team America or, like, a last-minute switch to AJ's deck, even though I haven't played it enough yet. <laughs> Sounds good. Any shout-outs? Uh, are we doing those now? Yeah, yeah. Um, you absolutely no one. Absolutely no one. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Not even Medina. That's a really strange name for a person. Absolutely no one. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode's called Less Medina, so that's good. Alex. Um, well, uh, I'm, in what deck I'm gonna play, I don't know. Like, if you guys have been listening to the cast regularly, you'll realize I'm very flip-floppy about choosing a deck, and that's one of my, my definitely, definitely a weakness of mine that I like don't stick with the same deck long enough and just practice and practice, like Alex Burton Genie. You know? <laughs> that guy's crazy. Yeah, that's what KYT wants to be like him. He's like, I'm going to get my hair all done like that. And I'm going to, you know, shuffle my cards <laughs> in my hand like him. I'm going to watch all the replays. I'm going to become Alex Bertoncini. <laughs> that's the only way I can win GP Providence. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm again, going to just try a bunch of decks and see what, what cards are I have available. So probably, like, I have enough generous friends that I probably can play whatever I want. But, uh, um, in terms of shout-out, shout-out to, uh, Medina, who's, who's, uh, absent today. <laughs> uh, and Frankie, who's also absent, uh, Frank, you know, for, just for you, Frankie, you know, I'll go to my gas station and buy some gas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's basically it. Okay, sounds good. Um, Dave, I hope we've been educational to you. I mean, uh, I hope to get you on the A-Team podcast for sure when we do our a special commander cast. won't be this week because, you know, we want to be doing our new Phyrexia pre-release cast. But uh, I hope we brought something and maybe got you more interested in Legacy. Yeah, I mean, like, I've always been very interested in Legacy and, like, following the new decks and all the tech that comes out of the recent tournaments. Like, my only deck pretty much is, like, Mono Blue Merfolk, so I'm not really creative yeah. there. Um, but Everybody's <laughs> going to play this shit! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I just got my last Savannah's in the mail for my green-white order deck, although I don't think it'll be 
that good at the moment. I think it'll be really fun to play. But yeah, just like sitting here listening to you guys talk about all do like all the new decks has been really educational and hopefully if I come back again I'll have a little more input to provide, a little more experience under my belt. <laughs> Any play enchantress, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't let us down. Like the other Asian guy. <laughs> oh, that's not true. <laughs> no, I, he knows I love him. Um, any quick shout-outs that you want to... Well, obviously, we're going to plug in, plug out your Dirtling Around comic, available every Friday on MatterDeprived.com. Yeah, definitely check that out. It's awesome, guys. And if you didn't know, the the, the little illustration for the Crazy Talk, crazy talk cast is uh, Thank you. done by me. You're welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> also, the, also, the A-Team. So, all of the well. cool stuff. All the cool stuff is done by Dave. Let's put it that way. Not all the cool stuff. A lot of the cool stuff. So any any one person you'd like to give a shout-out to this week? One person, not oh, putting mine on the spot here. I don't yeah. know, just for the short term, just got to give a shout-out to the chief, KYT. Thank you. So, uh, me, of course, I don't know, I'm I'm starting to doubt if I'm going to be playing Merfolk. As uh, Mark pointed out that Glenn posted an article and Merfolk was the only one pushing over 10%, and I do imagine it will be one of the more popular archetypes, Merfolk, plus mental missteps, but uh, being one to no longer fear mirror matches in standard, like with all the call blades, but legacy's definitely different. I totally still feel like I'm terribly outmatched. So but Murpho is the way to go. Uh as of now, if it was tomorrow. Shoutouts, um you know, the usual face to face games for helping me out all the time at events and I expect them to help me out again. And shoutouts to special shout out to Bryce's friend. Joel Parody, if I <laughs> pronounce. Uh, man, I love that guy. When you're talking about playing someone, I mean, we were X11 maybe, and it was still going to be a serious game at SCG Boston. I didn't, I didn't mention the shutout, and uh, I was playing Cobblade. He was playing Sparkblade, and he was just one of those guys that are really, really cool to play with. Like he's very enthusiastic, very happy. Like he's like, this is just a regular match type of feel, and he was so happy, actually, in turn three or four, he actually said, you know, go, like, you pass, he actually passed the turn without playing a land, and then he changed from, he changed from his awesome demeanor to calling himself many names, or like, I'm such a fucking idiot or something, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, maybe he's transforming to an evil guy, but, uh, Throughout, he was just chill. He was just laughing and then joking about how stupid he was for passing turn. But, you know, I've done stupid things in the past. Like, like um, I, I was even, I think Alex knows me as someone like too nice. I might have even let him take his turn and play his land. But, you know, not going to be that nice when I was so close to like X1-1. And, you know, people were going to be cutthroat with me anyways. And, but I, I've... Mana leak the spell pierce before, so definitely don't think it's that embarrassing, but it was just pretty funny, his reactions, like, fuck, <laughs> like, he just kept talking about it, and then he's like, and I have five lands in hand or something, <laughs> <laughs> definitely added to the comedy factor, uh, Bryce, you had one more shout out before uh, we end the show? Yeah, uh, shout out to the Bruins for beating the Habs. 
Damn. Ooh. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> They're beating Philly, too. Yeah. Oh. Ouch. But that's been, that's another shout out for me. Shout out to, uh, the conservative government. <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, for winning 39% of the vote and getting a majority. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts to Jack Layden for finishing second. I know Frank was, uh, very high on him for the selection. Um, yeah, and, well, Quebec, uh, pretty much Quebec voted like a lot of for NDP for his party. For any of you who follow politics, Canadian politics. <laughs> it's a hobby of mine. <laughs> and I just have to end this episode with condolences to Drew Levin because he gave me condolences when the Habs lost in Game 7 to Boston. He's actually a huge hockey fan. Um, and it's sad to see that his Washington Capitals just got swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-0. That's, that was not expected at all. And Drew, I'm sorry, and uh, better luck next year. And I'm assuming they're going to fire the coach or whatever. But uh, my heart's out to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, any last words? Kingo. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys.